Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Last Sunday during our prayer time, uh, I shared several verses and called the church to pray as we consider the sanctity of life, of the preciousness of children within the womb, and our response, or maybe our lack of response, to abortion. I'd intended this Sunday to return um, to the 38th and 39th chapter of Isaiah, and in the midst of all the legislation and different things that have happened and unfolded in our country this week, uh, by Thursday afternoon, late, um, the other sermon was ready, and I was excited, looking forward. Um, I had some uncertainty about going forward with Isaiah, and then Friday morning came, and um, just through prayer and seeking the Lord, I came to a realization that God was was changing the direction of the text, and and so over the last couple of days, even the wee hours of this morning, um, God has been trying to prepare me for this message. The image on the screen is that of a, a child in gestation about 12 weeks. The reason why that's on there is because about 90% of all abortions happen during the first trimester. That is prior to 13 weeks. So what you see on the screen is a child. And this morning you're going to deal with this text um, from Proverbs 24. And it's making the statement we know. I mean... We can call it, we can label it, right? I mean, we can put whatever tag you want on your view of this. But the reality is, the scripture is clear. The psalmist says that the Lord knit us together in our mother's womb. It says, you saw my unformed body. Some translations render that my unformed substance. That as Job chapter 1 says, when Job loses his children, he says, the Lord, what? Gives and the Lord, what? takes away but blessed be the name of the lord but job says listen if you want to understand where life comes from god gives it if you want to understand how life departs the lord takes it away that's not the responsibility of humans or government or medical staff or any of us that is the work of god alone so let's be honest today and just acknowledge that we know that abortion is actually killing children. Proverbs 24. Just to get the text in your head, then we're going to kind of walk back into a little bit of this past week in our nation. Verse 10 of Proverbs 24 begins, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Right in the last several days, we've heard of the New York legislation that's being passed there in the state of New York that legalizes abortion up to the moment of birth. Also this week unfolding there in Virginia, Delegate Kathy Tran began to pass or propose the legislation to be passed that I'm going to read a couple of things. 
that instead of the woman's physical health being in grave danger, it is now removed. In essence, allowing abortion for any reason. The protocol currently, according to the Virginia legislation, is that three doctors must consent. There must be a consensus among them. The legislation being presented is for only one physician, and again, for any reason. When Kathy Tran was interviewed by another state delegate, she affirmed that this decision to abort could take place in the third trimester, literally affirming that in the 40th week, even up to the point of birth, it was shocking, and the delegate who was having this interchange with her was, was shocked to hear it and was saying, I, I want to understand you. Are you telling me that up to the moment of birth to the child? And if that wasn't shocking enough, later, that same, this past week, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, went on a radio station. They said, would you help us understand the delegate Kathy Tran's position? Help us understand what type of legislation this is. And I want to quote his words. He provides a, an example of the possibility of a child in distress, to say the least. Maybe what we might call not good. The governor says, so in this particular example, again, he's not just speaking haphazardly. He's giving an example. Listen to what he says. So in this particular example, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. This is exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. This is a living child. Listen to these words. The infant would be resuscitated if, if, if that's what the mother and the family desired. Then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Beloved, this is what is called infanticide. It is the crime of killing a child within a year of birth. They are talking about a living child that has been delivered. And then after delivery, making the decision, was this child live or die? I don't know what your, again, how, how your bias are or how you perceive these situations but Emily and I just in discussions with an eight, six and four year old about hearing about children within the womb being killed. The eyes of our kids get huge. They don't understand. Children don't under. It doesn't make sense to even children. Why would someone do that? Do you understand? This is not just simply abortion. At some point in the midst of the gestation, this governor of Virginia said after delivery Deciding if that child lives or dies. And listen, if you think it ends there, you're wrong. If it begins there, then listen, how do we begin to make decisions on the aging, the senior adults among us? When are they valuable enough to live? Maybe we should just get rid of them. They're a strain on our economy. They're a, they're a weight to your family. I mean, where does it end? You think, well, listen, what's that got to do? That's New York. That's Virginia. Come on, guys. We've seen enough other legislation that happened other places that has made it right now to your old Kentucky home. So don't be blind. Don't be foolish this morning. Again, I'm helping you, I hope and pray, to hear, to know. So you can't say, I didn't know, I wasn't aware of that. This is happening right here in your home, in your nation. So let's be honest and say, we know the truth about abortion. It's killing our children. 
Proverbs 24, beginning in verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The reality is, let's be honest, any of us in moments or days of adversity, the temptation is always to faint. It's to run, to hide, it's to not have that conversation, it's not to go along with that dialogue, it's not, I mean, it's just hard, even as a young person, you're growing up in school and other people are picking on somebody or making in front of someone, it's just easier to join in on that, right, to be a part of that conversation. It is hard to stand against it when everyone else is standing for something else. It is hard to be that voice, right? Listen, I don't know if you realize it, but the Christian worldview in which you live or which you hold biblically, it's shrinking here in your America. You're becoming the minority. So it's going to get harder for you to stand and listen. If we don't have these conversations with our children and grandchildren, who's going to? We must begin to be a voice to say, here is how we as a family, we as a church, we as believers are informed on decisions. It is from God's word. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The reality is, I think about often in my own life, how in moments of adversity, I often faint often grow weak, often don't get it right. And so maybe as a moment of just starting out this morning, we just might provide some encouragement to remember the seed from which you came. The seed from which, again, if you are here and you are in Christ and you are born again, I want to remind you that the one that was crucified on your behalf, he was buried, but beloved, he is not still in the grave. He is ascended. He is raised triumphantly over death and sin. And that one, beloved, he lives within you. So our strength is so small. It is so weak. We often do not get it right. But we must realize of whose seed we are and the strength that the resurrected Christ within us gives us that boldness and courage. For moments when you begin to think you may faint when it comes to abortion or other challenging and hard, difficult conversations. I want you to be reminded that Jesus himself faced difficult things. He was a friend of prostitutes and sinners. Jesus was one who had to make a difficult profession before Pilate when he says, I adjure you, tell us, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And he says, I tell you, you will see him, the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of heaven. Are you the Christ? It is as you say. The tearing of the clothes by the high priest. You've heard him? Blasphemy. He's claiming to be God. He said, strong, beloved, and he indwells you in the moments when you may think that you might faint in the day of adversity for whatever you may be facing. I want to remind you that your line of faith goes back to a man by the name of Moses who wasn't very himself thought self qualified. And yet God called him to go before Pharaoh one of the most powerful men on the face of the earth and say, let my people, people who have been in slavery for 400 for 400 years, let them go. For moments when you are weak and you think that your faith and your strength is small, do not forget the line of faith from which you come from women like Esther who said, I will go before the king and if I perish, I perish, but I must speak. 
of moments in which you think that you might faint on this issue of abortion or whatever in the day of adversity and you consider that your strength is so small, don't forget the line of faith from which you derive from those like Peter and John who in Acts 4 were before religious leaders and said, you guys need to figure out if you're going to obey God or obey men. But as for us, verse 20 of Acts 4, we can't help speak about what we have seen and heard. My hope and prayer today is as you hear Proverbs 24, as you hear the reality of what's happening in your culture around you, that you come to a place to realize you can't help speak about it. Because you sit biblically in submission to this word that overcomes and trumps your feelings or emotions or political parties. This word is our ultimate unity, beloved. Across party lines, across decisions, right? This is our unifying factor. This is your home. This is your family as believers. And we are in submission to this word. Why? Because that's the one for whom died for us. He's the living word. So in the moments when you feel weak, remember the seed from which you came. You have been born again, First Peter 1 says, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. And to remember those whom you stand with who have gone before you. This is your biblical heritage. Secondly, verse 11. This word is important. Rescue. Rescue those. Listen to what he says about them. They are being taken away to death. Hold back. Again, verse 11 of Proverbs 24. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. This word rescue that's being used here in verse 11 is used many times throughout Scripture. But I want to draw your attention to two to help you understand maybe what your responsibility is Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Listen to, listen to this. Genesis chapter 37, right? The story of Joseph. Hopefully you know it. If you've been in Sunday school, you've been studying about it, hearing those stories here recently as you track through God's word. And Reuben, look what it says, verse 22. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might. Listen, here's what Reuben was hoping to do, that he might rescue him out of their hand to ultimately restore him to his father. Clearly, rescuing speaks of stepping in on someone else's behalf who is going to be punished wrongly, who is getting what they do not deserve. Further, Daniel chapter 3. After the boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been saved from that fiery furnace, listen to what the king says in his decree. Verse 29 of Daniel 3. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks against anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able. Look what he says here. Even though he doesn't understand exactly who this God is. He's got a little G God. He needs to work on his theology a little bit. But for there is no other God. Look what he says. Who is able to what? Rescue in this way. This God intervened to save their lives. So when you hear right there about the call, right, to rescue, it is a call for you to act. It is a call for you to respond today. 
That's the expectation that you will respond. Whether Again, whether that's with abortion or we're talking about that specifically today, but this application all across. You have a responsibility. Students, as you see a friend or classmate bullied, you step in. You let some authority know. You don't allow it to continue. Some of you know about those around you who are being abused. You have a responsibility to help rescue them. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are being stum- or who are stumbling to the slaughter. I'll be honest with you, I was ignorant of many of the practices of how abortion even take, takes place. In the context in which we're in with children, I will not go into those, but you need to be aware of how these children are being killed. My guess is none of you, none of you would stand by and let someone do that to your living family member outside the womb. I hope you wouldn't. You need to to be aware. But listen to this again, this idea of the word slaughter. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Again, it indicates from the text that these people are being wrongly put to death. There's a call to intervene on the half of the righteous. Estimates are hard to come um, in regards to knowing the accuracy of them, specifically when it comes to abortion. But estimates are, again, there's all kinds of numbers. I struggled. Some were bigger, some were smaller, so kind of little bear's pudding maybe. Uh, just in the, I, I don't know. I, how do you even, it's hard to even quantify. This is This is souls. This is... Those that God's knitting together in their mother's womb. But the estimate, again, this estimate here, is that 115,000 unborn human beings are killed every day. I want to give you just an idea. As you see the map here of the state of Kentucky, 115,000 that would die every day. That includes all those in Green, Adair, Casey, Taylor, LaRue, and Hart. Gone. Now. Today. Factor that in for a moment. All the counties around in which you live and know. That's an estimate of what's happening daily across the world. Like you say, Blake, maybe that number's way inflated. Maybe it is. What if it was just enough that your entire county was gone? Some 11, 12, 1,000. Would that not be enough? What if it was just one? Would that not be enough? We are to intercede for those who are going to the slaughter. And then this kind of warning that comes out. Verse 11 of Proverbs 24. If you say, behold, we did not know this. And it's hard to know from the text. Maybe it's realistic. Maybe something's happening right in in the background that they're not as aware of. And so maybe that's my hope and prayer today. Is that as this comes forward to you, that now today you can't leave here saying, I didn't know. I didn't realize that legislation was happening. I wasn't aware of that. I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure. Listen, you're, you're hearing today. So you can't walk away saying we didn't know. Today you can't walk away saying that I didn't know that children in the womb are being killed. Now you know. So if you say, behold, we did not know this. Listen to what he said. Listen to the response back. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? So the one he who is God here, God is weighing your heart. It's kind of the reminder, you can say whatever you want to say to make yourself feel better, but God ultimately knows every motive of your mind heart. 
He knows why you're acting or not acting. And he's going to call you to account in a minute. He's going to repay man according to his work. Will he, again, this God, is ultimately you're going to stand and give an account for this. Look what he says here. God desires to repay. Repay ultimately who? Those who are, who are going to stand strong in the day of adversity. Those who are rescuing. Those who are holding back. He says this God is going to reward them. God knows your heart. He's keeping watch over your own soul. I mean, think about that in light of abortion. Does not he who keeps watch over your own soul know it? Are you not praising God that every moment he's watching over you and your children, your family? And yet, that listen, that vigilance in which he keeps over you, his blessing, his protection, his shielding from the enemy, his holding back the power of darkness, that it doesn't overcome your soul, his rescuing of your own soul, does that not also call you and I to keep watch over the souls of others, and especially the innocent? As I hear the cry of my own. I wonder how many aren't crying today because I and maybe you have been too quiet. Statistics tell us that one in four American women will have an abortion by the age of 45. Some give one in three. One in four. So this is a a statistic, again, that impacts many of us. So... God, knowing the heart, listen, He calls us to respond. Listen to what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. He who passively accepts evil is as much involved in it as he who helps to perpetrate it. Listen to that again. He who passively accepts evil is as much involved in it as he who helps to perpetrate it. Are you being passive? You put your head in the sand. How will you respond? How will you defend the children in the womb? Because we know, beloved, we know they are children made in the image of God. How do we respond? Maybe three things. Number one, speak up. And by speak up, I mean speak up to God. Before you speak out to others, speak up to God. Spend time in prayer, crying out to God. Spend time letting these scriptures roll over you like a flood. Let God's word come upon you. And let it move you to prayer today. Maybe today you just honest and owning it before God. God, I've been way too silent on this. Or God, I've been affirming something that I know, listen, you are the giver and you are the taker of life. And no one can make that decision outside of you, God. So listen, God, I want you to know, maybe today I'm just coming to say I'm sorry. Forgive me. Change me. You need to speak up and pray for those mothers and the fathers and their families. That God will give them courage. That God will move them to listen, not in that life, but keep going. You need to pray for our legislators, those making decisions, the laws. You say, Blake, how am I going to affect anyone? We just studied last week. You saw the prayer of one man change the destiny of a nation. Do you not believe that your God is the God of the impossible? With man, this is impossible, Jesus says. But with God, all things are what? All things are possible. Do you believe that? 
that He might use your prayers. You would pray for those medical folks that God would raise up Christian men and women to serve in those fields, to give truth and to advise. Maybe it's just a simple practical step that every Sunday morning when you hear, and now it's time for all those who are going to children's church, our children are dismissed. Maybe you think about the little footsteps that aren't represented. And every Sunday that just clicks you for a moment and you engage in prayer right here and now in the midst of your worship. So we need to speak up first to God. But then we also we speak out. The aim of the church is not to become a political entity. That's not our goal. That is not our marching orders. But Todd shared it earlier in our deacons meeting. We shared it. You all that been to the training, you heard again the call of Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. That is our church to take the blessed gospel, the only hope of redeeming and changing anyone. That is our call. But you as individuals, as as residents of the United States of America, a part of a democracy, you have an individual right and responsibility. And I would contend that it is to vote as those born again in line with the truth of this word. We need to be making our voices heard. For those who are shaping legislation, speaking truth, for those who are looking to try and align things with the truth of God's word, they need to know that we are behind them, that they don't stand alone, because I'm sure there's moments when they feel weak, when they feel this pressure, when others are coming against them, when they stand, they're almost seeming as if they're alone on that island. As believers, we need to come and walk beside them. We need to be reminded as we speak out of Psalm 82, 3 and verse 3 and 4. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Maintain the right of those who don't have a voice. Maintain a right of that child within the womb. Rescue. Again, you hear that word? Rescue. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. For some of you speaking out, It's maybe not what you thought. Speaking out for you is saying. We're here. We'll adopt. We'll take that child. We'll love that child. Mom, we've heard some of our own mothers and parents in this place testify of the courage that it would take for a mother to be willing to say, "I, I want you to go and raise my child. Praise God for that. We need to be praying for those mothers. But some of you. As moms and dads, even as singles now, the Spirit of God is stirring you as it moved Emily and I even prior to marriage of just saying you need to be thinking about adoption. You need to be considering that needs to stay on the table. Some of you need, listen, you're speaking out of saying we will take that child. Some of you, God has gifted you to write. And it's time to use the gifts God has given you to write, to speak truth in a way that is much more poetic and clear and truthful and enlightening than what I or others could ever do. You just, God has given you a gift. Others of you, listen, you've got a gift of a voice. Brother Corey, I just kept getting the timing wrong on the second one. Y'all were kind of, I was going right into it. Y'all were holding a little bit longer and I kept singing. Rib's like, Dad, you're too early every time. I was like, I know, bro. I know. 
Some of you, though, listen, God's given you a voice. He's given you the ability to play instruments. He's given you the ability to write songs. You need to begin singing these truths of Scripture. You need to let people know the truth that these children within the womb are created by an invisible God for His glory. And they have a right to live and to know the love of Christ and to make His glory known amongst the nations. Some of you have much influence and you've been given the gift of leadership and many people listen and follow you. You need to speak truth on this subject. I think this brings up another point, though. If we're I'm assuming that you're passionate about speaking up for the unborn. Are we also not as passionate about speaking up for my own minorities and other races? When they are abused or their rights are overlooked or they're pushed aside just because the pigment of their skin looks different than ours. We need to ask, right, where are we as a church? Where are you as an individual on issues of racism? I mean, abortion is the statement that I'm sovereign, that I make the decision. I decide who lives or who dies. In a similar way, is racism not the deciding that my race is more valuable than yours because of the color of my skin? Therefore, I can treat you as inferior or not stand up for you when your rights are violated because I am superior to you. We must see that knowing the truth about abortion and the call to speak up is also a call to speak up on other social and other injustices that others who are made in the image of the blessed Creator. But the vast majority of us who are white live in a country where we have that privilege. Are we using it for God's glory and the good of others? Not only do we need to speak up to God in prayer, not only do we need to speak out. Thirdly, and just as important, we need to speak into. My assumption is that for some of you, this is the banging of your drum. You're ready to grab pitchforks and go after it and do whatever. I want us to be reminded today that in a, in a in a room this size, in a culture in which we live, there may be some in here who have made the decision for abortion or your family or you've been a part of that. I want you and all of us to never, ever forget nothing is beyond the blood of Jesus Christ. We must communicate that God loves them, that He's willing to forgive them, that He's willing to accept them as part of His family. Now, we love the fact that God forgives us for all that we've ever done. Do all those who are struggling with this abortion or whatever issue it is for you that maybe is your hot button, do they also know just as passionately as you are against it and staying on God's word, do they know that you are just or even more passionate about their soul and knowing the love and forgiveness of God? So some of you need to speak into by developing relationships and beginning to walk beside others who are in the midst of this. On the screen there you see the image. That's the image of a child in gestation at eight weeks. Why eight weeks? And some of you medical folks are much more enlightened on this than me. And so if I get it wrong, please even tell me now. At eight weeks of gestation, according to my understanding of research, all the organs are present. The brain is functioning. The heart is pumping. The liver is making blood cells. The kidney is cleaning the fluids. And that baby at eight weeks has a fingerprint. 
my assumption is if I defined who that person was, all of you would say, that is a human. That is a living being. And yet, as we heard at the opening, that 90% of all abortions happen within this first trimester. So there it is, the beating of a heart, a brain that is functioning. Beloved, we know. We know. And if you didn't know, now you know. We know. And the call for those who know is to respond. So where does this leave us? Because my assumption is some of you understand the reality that you live in a culture that does not value God's word. So they don't care what Proverbs 24 has to say anyway. They believe it's a book made up by a bunch of phony Christian fanatics or whomever. It's a book of men, men's thoughts. It's got errors. I don't care. I don't value that as truth. So maybe just some practical as you speak into this situation, as you walk beside and love others. Scott um, Klusendorf's acronym, it's SLED. I want to share that with you this morning. And this also an adaptation from one of our Presbyterian brothers and pastors, Kevin DeYoung. But he makes these statements, this SLED acronym, and I thought it was absolutely equipping for how to talk and share about when it comes to abortion. When you think it's not only just biblically what I'm saying, let's think just logically and practically for a moment. Number one, size. Shall we say that size matters? Is the unborn child too small to deserve our protection? Is the unborn child too small to deserve our protection? Are we saying that big people somehow are more valuable than little people? When you watch the Super Bowl tonight, is the offensive lineman more valuable now than the kicker because he's bigger? So are we saying that size matters? Secondly, again, the SLED acronym, secondly, is level of development. Is intellectual development and mental capacity the measure of worth? So then are we saying that three-year-olds are now less valuable than 13-year-olds because they understand less conceptually, mentally, cognitively? Are we saying that a child needs to be able to say their ABCs or count to three before we say, now you've earned another day of life. Good job. Is that what we're saying? Because listen, if we say this, you must understand where it leads. Then those in your family, like those probably in my family, who have dementia or Alzheimer's or all that, have they now become discarded? Because cognitively they're not able to function at what we conceive as qualifying human? Are we? You must understand that's where these things lead. They start here and they begin to take other steps. Thirdly, in sled. So size, level of development. Thirdly, environment. Shall we deny the unborn child's right to life because of where he lives? Are we somehow more valuable now because we're inside this church building than we would be outside of it? When we think about the environment, right, can a child be killed just because they're swimming in the water? Is that like, could you go to the pool and just kill them because they're underwater? But somehow in that amniotic sac, then that, that's, that's okay. Does, does the eight inch journey down the birth canal, that now qualifies us as human? Like, when do we become human? The Bible says that God's creating you in your mother's womb. 
He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says life is there at conception. This creator God. So we must ask, is the right to life conditioned upon location? So if you're outside the womb, then you're okay. But if you're inside, you're fair game. And now, according to that legislation, the governor there in Virginia, maybe even outside the womb, you're now, it's hunting season. Fourth and sled dependency. Is right to life only based upon those humans who are not dependent upon others? Do we only deserve to live when we can do life on our own? Is that like the qualifier? Like once you can live on your own, now you're human. Now you deserve to live. So is that four-month-old fetus inside a mother's womb less valuable because she depends upon mom for life? I mean, if that's the case, then is my three-month-old somehow less now less valuable than you because she still depends upon her mother for life even outside the womb? Do you think? I'm not a big dude, but you come to mess with my little girl, it's on like Donkey Kong, right? I mean, I'm just telling, I'm, do you not feel that? I hope every man, every man in this place feels that. That right to protect, to defend. I feel, I pray, and most of the time it is often the ladies that are leading that so often. Men, we must protect. I'm not promoting violence, I'm protecting your family. Has that loved one now become, listen, if we think this is it, right? If dependency, if you, if you can only survive on your own, then that's now how you define life and that's the person that needs to be protected. Then you need to ask this question. Has that loved one now become less valuable and expendable because they're dependent upon a respirator or dialysis for life? If they're, if that, right, if dependency, then the moment that you have to go under a respirator for whatever reason, or your family member, or those who may depend upon dialysis, or something else to keep them, have they now become less valuable and able to be discarded? Where does this end, beloved? When is someone actually worth something? Some of you aren't convinced by biblical, you aren't convinced by the rationale, and so maybe I would end... This morning was someone that most all people recognize and respect and look to. Dr. Seuss. Listen to what Dr. Seuss writes in Horton. Here's a who. On the 15th of May in the jungle of. Sorry, I get that picture up there. On the 15th of May in the jungle of Newell, in the heat of the day, in the cool of the pool. He was splashing and enjoying the jungle's great joys when Horton the elephant heard a small noise. So Horton stopped splashing. He looked toward the sound. That's funny, thought Horton. There's no one around. Then he heard it again. Just a very faint yelp, as if some tiny person were calling for help. I'll help you, said Horton, but who are you? Where? He looked and he looked. He could see nothing there but a small speck of dust blowing past through the air. I say, murmured Horton, I've never heard tell of a small speck of dust that is able to yell. So you know what I think? Why, I think that there must be someone on top of that small speck of dust. Some sort of a creature of very small size, too small to be seen by an elephant's eyes. Some poor little person who's shaking with fear that he'll blow in the pool 
he has no way to steer. I'll just have to save him because after all, a person's a person no matter how small. We've been teaching our kids the truth for years. Listen, I'll just have to save him. Why? Because, after all, a person's a person no matter what. How small. Why do we step up and defend? Because every human being is made in the image of God and Christ came and gave his life to rescue and save them. That is their ultimate understanding. That is the ultimate lens in which we must view all Scripture is in light of Jesus Christ. That a person's a person no matter how small. Why? Because Christ died for them and for you. I'm not sure how this has landed. I'll be honest. I don't know if this is like, man, you guys are with me. If lots of folks are against me. I can't tell. It's like it's been a very... Locked in today. I'll say that you're listening. And I'm okay to talk about it more. I'm okay if you disagree. Let's come. Let's talk. Let's look at Scripture. I'm okay. But remember, a person's a person no matter how small. Why? Because Christ gave His life for them and for you that you might be rescued. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for the day. Thank You for the power of Christ. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, for the hope of the gospel. Lord, I'll be honest, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's many different views, thoughts on this subject within this room. And Lord, I realize I'm not the end all, beat all answer on the story. But Lord, I know that your word has the truth. And so Lord, I pray that you would lead us all into your truth. Father, today, may you intervene and move and act in the hearts and lives of people, Lord. Father, may you draw people to your son, Jesus. In his name I pray, Lord. Amen. Would you stand and sing? I invite you to come and pray this morning. Praying for the unborn. Praying for others. Praying for yourself. For those who are in need of Christ here, would you come? To realize that you matter. Know how small you are. How insignificant. How much of mistakes you've made. The blood of Christ will cleanse you from every stain. This morning would you come under the grace of God. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.